group three made up of Nina, Trey, Daniel, and Wyatt. And today we're going to be talking to you about the Chukchi war effort against Russia. So first to start off, I will be talking about the Chukchi, a little bit of background information about them before we go into the rest of the stuff. So the Chukchi historically and currently have inhabited the northeasternmost part of Siberia and their autonomous okrug known as Chukotka, which was formed in 1930. There are about 15,000 people today, and they have been historically divided up into two groups, the Maritime Chukchi and the Reindeer Chukchi. The Maritime Chukchi live on the Arctic and Bering coasts and um, have been known to hunt sea mammals as well as fish for their um, sustenance, whales, walruses, and seals. They live in fixed villages, which is unique to them, as most Arctic peoples are, circ- are nomadic, and they live in subterranean houses to protect them from the cold. The mer- reindeer Chukchi um, are, are nomadic and have their own special breed of reindeer known as the Chukchi reindeer. They're unique in their ability to survive the harsh Arctic tundra with very little food as they bulk up very quickly in the winter and the short summer months. They also do not need a special kind of moss that most reindeers feed on called reindeer moss to survive. Cur- current day... While some Chukchis live in cities working as teachers, journalists, artisans, wage workers, and in museums and culture centers, most Chukchis still do live in this historic manner, hunting reindeer and sea mammals um, as their own groups demand. Like most circumpolar peoples, they have a shaman spirituality where they believe that all plants, animals, rivers, and forests, other natural phenomena have spirits that must be protected and cultivated. The Chukchi people first appear in Russian rec- written record sources in 1641-42 at a conflict with the Azalea River, when Trey will now elaborate more on the Russians. So the Russians in particular, they mainly had this group of mercenaries called the Cossacks. And uh, I'm going to be going into who these Cossacks are and what they ended up doing. So the Cossacks were these Russian mercenaries that the Russian government said, okay, we're going to hire you guys to go deal with our domestic problems that our military can't deal with. And the reason their military couldn't deal with some of these problems is you don't want to go send 40,000 of your own soldiers that are using to defend your borders to go collect taxes or just do other mundane junk that you need done, but you don't want to send your primary forces. So they would go hire these mercenaries named Cossacks, and they were mainly Russian and Ukrainian. Both were kind of one and the same at the time, and these Cossacks weren't considered Russian citizens, even though they had Russian citizenship. And I know that's an oxymoron and is you know, stupid to say that they have citizenship when they don't, but in the Russian society, they were considered Russian military, but only to a certain degree. So if you came into town and you were one of these Russian Cossacks, basically they would just be like, okay, you have the privileges that a normal Russian citizen would be, but you're not an actual Russian citizen. And they were treated better because of that, but also at the same time, the Russian government demanded a lot more out of the Cossacks than they would for their normal citizens and military alike. They had them, in particular, have fights with the indigenous people, which ended up most of the time with the Cossacks on the winning side. But in the particular case of the Chukchi, it really screwed them over and made them rethink their choices of wanting to be part of Russia as a whole. And during their loss to the Chukchi, they even considered uh, moving to go be mercenaries for other groups of people because uh, such a devastating loss would look terrible 
to the Russian government, and so they kind of feared for their own lives in that moment of, we should just run away instead of, uh, you know, going and doing stuff. And so Dan, uh, Daniel will then talk about the uh, Chukchi and Cossacks battles that really forced these Cossacks to uh, put into action some of their clauses. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I'm going to be talking about the battles of the Chunchi and uh, the Russians. So it's widely believed in Russia that the voyage of Timothy Aramak and his Cossacks against the Siberian Kakante began in 1581. Brothers Yakov and Grigory Stroganov hired Emerek in exchange for land and salt mines in Sol Vyshkoshka. The colonists went eastward from there, but were met with opposition from the Golden Horde's last remains. Kakunchum Khan posed a serious threat to Ivan the Terrible. According to the legend, Ivan let the Stroganovs hire Cossack muscles to settle the matter. Russian landlords were fresh out of rivals with the destruction of the Siberian Kakante, so they set out to acquire new regions. The Cossacks had become the mercenaries of choice for the Russian colonists, as Trey explained. They journeyed by river, collecting from local indigenous people they met. The Tsar Ivan kept demanding more subjects to pay Yasak and collecting new items for trade expansion. Fur, fish, seal fat, and walrus tusk were always plentiful in Russia's north. Afansi Shiskoskov, the leader of the Cossacks, organized a large-scale military campaign. The goal was to seize Chikuta with the help of Captain Dmitry Pavlusky. However, both leaders could not come to an agreement, and so they split their armies and decided to attack on their own. Shiskoskov's campaign failed after a year, and he was killed in an ambush Paluski would not find out about this for several months. By that time, Paluski and his Cossacks had defeated several Chichunchi armies and located their camps. The Chichunchi were so impressed by Paluski, they nicknamed the Great Enemy. In the early 1740s, the Chunchi had gained enough confidence to conduct raids on neighboring tribes and colonists' hunters once more. When the Russian leader, Dmitri, heard of this, he committed an assault on the Chunchi. However, the Chunchi prepared for this type of attack. They removed their deer from the Andor Ostrog and waited for Paluski to arrive with a war group before baiting him into a trap. The commander, who had become an expert in the enemy's tactics and deception by that time, was slain as a result of his own lack of patience. Attempts to conquer Chikuta were made until 1763, but they were unsuccessful each and every time. The treasury was lost, was losing a lot of money, and because the Andrea Party's campaign cost more than 1,300,000 rubles, Yaskak revenues, on the other hand, did not even surpass 30,000. As a result, the decision to call a halt to the campaign was sound. The Andrea Ostrog was extinguished, and the people who lived there were evacuated after years of warfare with the Chichunchi. Catherine the Great insisted on waving an olive tree of peace to the tribe in order to settle the dispute. The peace resulted in fair trade with the Russians and Chichunchi. This is the overall understanding of the battles and the war effort by both the Chunchi and the Cossacks. Wyatt will now talk about the different types of um, weapons used in this war campaign. So... The Chuchi, their basic weapons were their bows, their spears, even slingshots. They had two types of bows. They had 
their long bow, and then their short bow, which is more of a derivative of a Mongolian bow, due to Mongolians ended up had, had conquering most of the area, and they had a re- their short bow is probably one of the best bows in the world because it's more mobile. You shoot them on horseback, and it's easier to carry, easier to make. They also had spears. Their armor slash clothing, they had a weird wood wrap around. I don't know what to call it, shoulder plate slash back piece. It looked more for a ceremonial approach compared to anything. Whereas the Cossacks had mat- had flintlock rifles and they were given typical Russian army uniforms. The only thing that distinguished them from Russian soldiers were their hats that made them special. And during the conflict, the Chuchi would use guerrilla warfare hit-and-run tactics because they knew the land better than the Cossacks. They could get around. And they knew they could not win an all-out fight. They were outnumbered 10-1, to so they had to hit-and-run and get as many as they can before the Cossacks realized what was going on. Whereas the Cossacks, they had the technological advantage, and they were... It can be inferred that they used typical line warfare common of the time, where you just had soldiers line up and fire in middle of fields. And one of the things the Cossacks, the advantage they had, they had the rifles. And for these indigenous people, getting shot at by a modern rifle, but modern at the time, could scare them. You got a loud bang, flash, point at your direction and smoke, then you see your friend fall down dead and you've never seen anything like it before, it, it scared them. They were indigenous people that were using traditional methods to fight off a modern army. So today we've talked about who the Chuchi were, who the Cossacks were, their war with each other, and their weapons and tactics. So today I'm going to conclude this little podcast of ours, and I hope you all enjoyed this little 10-minute segment, and I hope you all have a good day. Mm-hmm.